Good day, folks. This is Shane Hastie for the InfoQ Culture Podcast. I'm at the Agile People Conference in Sweden and sitting down with Dave Snowden. Dave, thanks for taking the time today. Please be with you. You and I know each other. Some of our readers will have heard of you, but do you want to give me the two-minute overview, Dave Snowden, who and why? Okay, I have two roles. So I'm director of the Kinevin Center for Organizational Complexity. We look at the application of natural science to human systems, uh, particularly cognitive neuroscience, complexity, the biological end of anthropology. And I'm also chief scientific officer of Cognitive Edge, which created the SenseMaker product, which is distributed ethnographic software. So, Kinevin, one of the things that our readers are probably familiar with is the original Kinevin model. Recently, you've made some changes to it. You brought in the the liminal thinking. Can you describe that in a very short... First of all, it's a framework, not a model, and that's actually quite important. A a model seeks to represent the world. Mm -hmm. A framework gives you a perspective on the world, and that's actually very important. Kinevin used to have two ways to categorize things. One was the five domains, and people often got that mixed up. They thought they were five quadrants, which gave me an indication of their mathematical ability, right? So there were the original five domains, and then there were dynamics, which moved between it. Yeah? People actually seem to have a problem with dynamics as a classification device. So when I used to say, look, Scrum is a technique to move things from borderline complex, complicated to complicated, they got confused. Yeah? That's a flash of inspiration. and said, well, it's a liminal zone. Mm-hmm. And liminality is a key concept in anthropology. So it's the state of transition. If you put on a mask in, say, a primitive society, mm-hmm. there's a state of transition between being who you are and what the mask represents. So that's where liminal comes from. And the great strength of things like Scrum is they hold things in a liminal state long enough to get them right before they become complicated. Mm-hmm. So by creating a liminal domain between complex and complicated, we created a space for the iterative techniques like Scrum, which was complex but boundary. Mm-hmm. And by creating a closed liminal space into chaos, we created an innovation space. And it's also where we do the work on distributed intelligence, wisdom of crowds. Because in those systems, you've got no constraints and no connectivity. But that takes a lot of energy to maintain. Yeah? It also resolves disorder, but that's a long discussion in its own right. One of the common, and I suspect it's a misconception, is that up in the top left-hand corner of the framework, is in the complex space, the types of approaches that people should take is uh, Lean Startup, Build, Measure, Learn. Yeah, you're trying to provoke me on Lean Startup, right? The one thing you never do in a complex space is apply a recipe based on partial research, and Lean Startup is one of those examples, yeah? In a complex space, what you have to understand is to identify what are the coherent pathways that can be adopted. And coherence is a key concept on this. It comes from philosophy of science. We know that evolution isn't right. We know it's wrong in many ways, but it is coherent to the facts. Whereas young earth creationism is incoherent to facts and everything else, right? So coherence allows us to say we don't know everything, but we know we're going in the right direction. So identifying coherent hypotheses about change in the complex domain and running parallel and parallel is key safe to fail experiments using whatever particular method you want. It really doesn't matter. The point is the diversity of the experimentation, because the experimentation changes the space Mm -hmm. and makes visible how it can change. So if I project myself into the world of some of our audience, those parallel safe-to-fail experiments, what are the types of things that they should be thinking of in the software engineering domain? Okay, well, let let me give you three examples, all right? I mean, what we're calling pre-scrum techniques. Mm Mm-hmm. So Scrum is a brilliant liminal technique. It's a pure complex technique. So three things we've been playing around. One is called trios. 
So you put three people together from very diverse backgrounds. So you might use a pair programming team, say, with a user, or you might put users from different backgrounds together with somebody from technology. Yeah, mm -hmm. And you basically spin off 30 or 40 trios to look at a problem in their spare time over a week and see what they come up with. So you cognitive diversity into the scanning, but you give them technical prototyping resources to make what they think might work visible. Yeah? Now that costs you very little. It's a lot cheaper than a systems analyst, but it introduces diversity. Yeah? The other one, which is a thing I created when we set up DSDM many years ago, I was one of the founders of that, is called Triple Eight. So you have a, RAD t a JAD team, mm -hmm. Joint Application Design, and remember, prototypers very rarely are good coders. We, we tend yeah. to separate them, all right? So you put a prototyping team together with users over a day. Mm -hmm. They then build a prototype. They pass it on to another team on an eight-hour time difference. Mm -hmm. Without the original user input, all they see is the prototype. And they're told to spend eight hours improving it. Mm -hmm. And then they do the same on another eight-hour time difference. So you go London, Mumbai, Frisco, for example. Every time we did that, what we're doing is we're introducing constraint-based rapid mutation. Every time it came back, people would say, God, I wouldn't have thought of that. Can I have it? Yeah, because right. what happens in biology under conditions of stress, mutation rates increase mm -hmm. so that you get more diversity in the system. Yeah? Mm -hmm. And the other big one we're working on is to do continuous mapping of unarticulated needs. Mm -hmm. And when we get statistically significant clusters, put in small prototyping teams onto those cluster mm -hmm. to see if something's worth exploring before we even think about Scrum. So those are three different techniques and there's more. And, oh, and by the way, the other critical thing, yeah. nobody in our job is working on at the moment, and this is critical, is, is architecture. Mm -hmm. And we're doing work at the moment on scaffolding. Now, it's the concept of how do you create scaffolding. Mm -hmm. And to give you just two types, right? I can put a, a, a nutrient lattice over a burn, mm -hmm. and the skin will regrow around the nutrient lattice, and the nutrients will go away. Mm -hmm. The other one is the bamboo scaffolding you see in Asia, where they throw bamboo together. Critical thing is, but scaffolding goes away when the building is robust, but it's necessary initially. Mm -hmm. So we're starting to look at our software architectures, which actually integrate with business architectures, in which you build different types of scaffolding, yeah, around which things can emerge, but then the scaffolding either self-removes or is removed in the process. Now, if you look at most software architecture at the moment, it's all toga variations. It's all boxes with arrows and feedback loops. Yeah? Mm -hmm. All we need is methods defined with standard input-output. Mm -hmm. So you can put different methods together in different contexts, mm -hmm. and you can rely on the output of one to be the input to another. And I think that's the big area we've got to start to develop so we can avoid the nightmare of things like SAFE and the scale frameworks, which are actually aggregative approaches mm -hmm. rather than really scaling approaches. You make the point that architecture is not something that's being looked at a lot. How do we fix that? I think it's transdisciplinary. We just spent a year on this in the context of design. So in the context of that, I brought in professors of architecture. I brought in somebody who was a design producer and artist for Cirque du Soleil. I brought in cognitive neuroscientists. We brought in futurologists. We brought in people from an audit office who've been investigating cooperatives. We've had a whole variety of people from radically different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And we've worked in a very controlled way over three one-week workshops to bring together ideas from those radically different disciplines with practitioners who are capable of thinking academically. Mm -hmm. And we'll launch something out of that, which is a new approach to design thinking. Yeah? Now, one of the things which came out of that is a need for architectural scaffolding for organizations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we now got a typology of five types of scaffolding. And I think that's the direction I'm going in, but it's something where we're open to more partnership. So for, again, those technical influencers who make up our audience, 
how do they turn this into something they can use? There's various ways. I mean, unarticulated need management triples, we now do that, all right? It's mm -hmm. one of the things SenseMaker does. Yeah, mm -hmm. distributed cognition in which, for example, on I'll take an example of cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. We put together an infographic about a major cybersecurity breach in an industry other than yours. It's deliberately somebody not yours. Um, that's like a news item, like a Facebook page, right? We then present it to all of your employees in a half-hour period, and they tell a story about why it couldn't happen here, which we can then mine for complacency. They interpret it under the high abstraction metadata concept we developed and patented, where you don't know what the right answer is, which creates a cognitive load on the brain. So to use Kahneman's terms, you start to think slow, not think fast. Yeah. And then they tell a story about what they would do if it did. Yeah. Now what that allows us to do is very rapidly monitor for complacency, map the dispositional attitudes to cybersecurity, and create a micro-scenario database about what we should do. And we can do that in half an hour. Now that's what we're starting to do on the wider design principle and on the wider architectural principle, is literally put things to distributed networks in real time. And what we're looking for in the dispositional maps is the outlier groups. Because if you want radical change, you want out significant outlier clusters, not the dominant groups. This is very different to going out and gathering requirements. Yeah, the trouble with gathering requirements is after you've done two interviews, your brain forms a subconscious hypothesis and you only hear things that match that hypothesis thereafter. And the other problem you've got in the IT industry is systems analysts tend to be towards the autistic end of the spectrum. So they tend to overstructure data too quickly because they're thinking too much about it going into a Scrum backlog, for example. Yeah? And to my mind, the backlog concept in Scrub and Kanban is potentially quite disastrous mm -hmm. because it overcodifies the wrong level of granularity too fast in the process. Mm -hmm. So it's okay for rapid cycle consumer products, but it's really poor for long-term products. So what would be a reasonable alternative? I think it's a mixture. There's nothing wrong with time boxes. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the ways I use Kinevin is say, Scrum is the best technique I've seen for liminal transformation in years. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Kanban could be a complex technique, but not if it represents itself as cards. Mm -hmm. yeah, the underlying concept on Kanban is work in progress. Work in progress in a complex space is not a series of discrete tasks. It's a series of yet unrealized emergent possibilities. So the representation needs to change to make Kanban work. Yeah? Time boxes. I mean, time boxes were a brilliant concept. You've got three months and you either vary the delivery yeah, or you vary the resource, but you always achieve something on a time. There's nothing wrong with waterfall. In the obvious domain of Kinevin, use waterfall techniques. Mm -hmm. I remember working with Telstra in Australia and they had waterfall projects. I mean, they knew exactly what they had to do. They had three years to do it and they knew the resource. We didn't get promoted if you did waterfall. So they ran one year sprints so they could say they were agile. <laughs> and that's the sort of games we're getting people to play. So the key thing is you need, dip, you know, it's horses for courses to use the British phrase. Mm -hmm. There's a whole body of techniques in IT which we've developed over the years. And we've got to stop this. I've got the solution, yeah, this, this is my method, only use my method. We've got to say that all these methods work in different spaces. So how do we analyze the space to choose the method? There's various ways on that. We can actually automate the mapping onto Kinevin. So we basically gather stories about day-to-day -day reality, which people put into high abstraction metadata. And from that, we can compute a mapping, which then has to be human validated. Mm -hmm. When we create Kinevin, we do it with exemplar stories from people's past. Mm -hmm. And we define the boundaries and the domains by those exemplar spaces because it's much easier to say it's like one of these than to say it has these qualities. I think the only other thing to say is that where we're always seeing with two major movements at the moment, agile and design thinking, mm -hmm. 
is they're both reaching the commodification end of their life cycle. Mm-hmm. They've been highly structured, highly commodified. The big consultants are adopting them, which means they're going to become more analytical with larger teams over longer periods of time. When that happens is the opportunity to do something new. And I think we're, we're phrasing that as how do we move from agile to agility? So this is a time to reinvent the concept, right? Mm-hmm. Because human beings lose 10 to 15 years is the maximum cycle you get in this industry. And agile's run through that now. Mm-hmm. We're going to need something on the other side. Mm-hmm. So what's that going to look like? Don't know, because it's going to be emergent. <laughs> yeah, I think it's got to be transdisciplinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to be experimental. Yeah, it's got to be based on scaffolding. And I think that's probably one of the most important concepts we've come out with in the last few years. And it's not going to be goal-based, it's going to be journey-based. Some great food for thought. Dave, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Pleasure. Thanks a lot.